Good evening, guys, and welcome to our season finale episode of Hitting for the Cycle. I'm your host, Hank and Dichter, and as always, we have a lot to talk about today. The Atlanta Braves, for the first time in 26 years, are World Series champions. It is only the second championship for the city of Atlanta. We will be talking about that momentarily But first, as always, I do want to give you guys a friendly neighborhood reminder to where you can find us. Please, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Review and Preview Sports. And you can also subscribe subscribe to us on our YouTube channel at Review and Preview Sports. You can find us simulcasting live right now on Facebook and YouTube. And let's go. A lot of stuff to talk about today. But first... Before I get into the World Series, I do want to briefly touch upon the recent retirement news of Buster Posey. And before I do that, I have a few uh, comments for you. Uh, Albert Donor goes, boys, 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 what is good? My mom, always, thank you for the support. Folks, you want to leave any comments down below, I would be more than happy to respond. And I'm sure Noah, who my, my guests, who will be appearing momentarily to talk about the World Series, will also be happy to talk, to join on these discussions sooner or later. And, uh, of course, Bird asked the question, thoughts on Buster Posey announcing his retirement tomorrow? Well, I am glad you asked that, Bird. I will be getting to that momentarily. Buster Posey, I mean, wow, where do I start? This guy was one of the best catchers in Major League Baseball during my lifetime. 2010s, when you really thought about the best catchers, it was really a contest between him and Yadier Molina. And while Yadi was generally the best defensive catcher, I think Buster had the edge on him with hitting and let's take a look at, take a look at these accolades down below seven all-stars, three world series champions, an MVP rookie of the year. The fact that he has one gold glove is crazy. But then again, remember this guy played during the same time as Yachty Molina. So it's not as surprising, but you'd still think he'd have more than just that one, but four silver sluggers, a batting title. And if you look at his, batting averages every year over the past 10 years, they were always at or near the 300 mark. So that's a model of consistency. And let's not forget this, this guy played in pain, like during the later parts of his career, when it it seemed like he was declining. And remember he suffered that horrible ACL injury when Scott cousins bowled him over in 2011, but that's what makes his 2011 season that much more spectacular. And you know, at the end of the day, he had that comeback season. He missed 2020 because he w- he and his wife adopted a few, a tw- uh, set of twin girls. He had that comeback season. 
was a big reason as to why the Giants won all those games. And you know what? He did something that not too many legends get to do. And that that is going on top. He had great numbers and you could easily put 2021 among his best best seasons in his career. So, I mean, hey, great for him. And he's played long enough. He's made enough money to where he does not have to play another game again and can focus on his family, which I'm pretty sure that's what he wanted to do. Buster Posey is a great guy, a family man. He will definitely miss. But now, of course, let's talk about the real reason why you're here. And that's the World Series. And that is the Atlanta Braves. And let's get to it. Joining me now is my good friend and our guest for now four of the past six or seven episodes. Happy to talk about his World Series champions, Noah Dibler. Noah, what's good? Long time no see, buddy. Yeah, man, it's been a while. It's been a, it's been about a week already. I, <laughs> I, definitely, I know, man. It's I, great. I, I can't believe we're here again. I can't believe we're here talking about your team winning the World Series. I think, I don't know about you, but I think this has got to be at least the fourth or fifth time in my life that he, we've had a world champion that's really unlikely. I mean, the earliest one I can think of was the 03 Marlins, and then you had the Cardinals in 2011, and then even the most recent champion in a normal season, the Washington Nationals, and now the Atlanta Braves. And the last two in particular stand out not only because they're in the same division but at one point both of those teams were dead mm-hmm. one of them was written off in may this one was written off as dead in the second half of the season and you know as a wise man always says well susan you can't predict baseball and you know that's how it is and another comment i want to get to that is john rankin john how's it going i hope your wife's doing well he says let's talk about this i'm gonna miss you hank JR, I'm going to miss you too, but don't worry. I will not be gone for too long. You can always catch me on Big Blue Avenue. And during the offseason, I will also be promoting, I will also be making some short videos with the offseason news, but I'll get to that later. You're Braves. Sorry about that little interruption. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, it's, I'm still trying to process it, to be honest, because when I came on, you know, the show the first time, you know, I was just kind of hoping, you know, they do well against the Brewers, see what they can do the rest of the playoffs. I didn't expect them to win the whole freaking thing. Um, and, you know, I, I remember you saying when I was on there, well, you know, if they go on a run, we'll try and get you on a few more shows. And, uh, well, they went all the way to the idols. So uh, phenomenal, man. Best sports moment of my life, like I told you last night, to see them win a World Series like that. Not just win a World Series, but winning in a dominant um, fashion in Game 6 on the road in Houston as well. Those fans were very fired up that first inning, I'll tell you, man. And then the rest of the way, they were just – you could hear a pin drop in the stadium. It was absolutely beautiful. Loved every second of it. You know, of course, because it's an Atlanta team, I was very nervous until the final out. But uh, it was fantastic, man. I'm over the moon. I I could barely sleep last night. I went to bed at like 7 a.m. I could not go to sleep because of how excited I was. Um, Got a lot to talk about, but it's just awesome, man. I, I can't even describe the feeling right now. And this is the first champion you've seen out of all of your teams. Is that correct? Uh, it's the first I've seen from an Atlanta team. I am, a, I am a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and they have one. But oh, yeah, that's right. this, is, this surpasses that by far. I mean, just because of the Atlanta-Georgia connection we have. And they were basically my first favorite sports team as well. Um, you know, maybe I'll get in that story a little bit later. It's a, kind of a long story and all that. But uh, this, this means a lot, definitely. Yeah, no, I can imagine. I mean, look, I will never forget 
the feeling that I had when the Giants upset the New England Patriots on February 3rd, 2008. It was a moment that pretty much changed my life for the better, and it's something that I still cherish this day, and I still remember being excited when the Yankees won the 2009 World Series. Now, granted, it's been a while, but it still has a special place in my heart because that's the only Yankees championship that I'm really old enough to remember that I can really tell you details about like certain regular season games and certain playoffs that I actually saw. But in any event, our buddy Tom has a comment for you. Congrats to the Atlanta Braves. I'm sure he, I'm sure you'll appreciate that coming from a Met fan in that comment section. Yes. Thank you, Tom. Thank you very much. It means a lot. And um, I see another comment from the peanut gallery, but I'll talk about that team tomorrow. But yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of things that really stand out to me, to me with the Atlanta Braves and, it needs to be said again. Alex Anthopoulos, what he did, I Fantastic. hope that sends a message to a lot of teams. Like, 49-52. and 52. I want you to mm-hmm. remember that record. 49-52. That was what they were at the time of the All-Star game. What I also want you guys to remember, they were six and a half game, as many as six and a half games out of first place. This guy said, screw that. We still have a chance. We still have a talented core. Let's go out and bolster it. And mind you, these weren't earth-shattering moves that he made. Eddie Rosario and Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson, as great as they were, and Jorge Soler too, as great as those guys were, they were not superstars by any stretch. But that doesn't matter. Those guys provided depth to the lineup. Maybe they you wouldn't necessarily say that they replaced Ronald Acuna mm-hmm. after that horrible ACL injury, but you had some guys that have been around the block before and have had postseason experience. Peterson, in particular, who by the way, fun fact about Chuck Peterson, he is now the ninth player in Major League history to have back-to-back titles with two different teams. Yep. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Uh, first of all, I just want to uh, thank the beautiful country of Canada giving us our nice Canadian GM and Alex Anthopoulos. And, of course, <laughs> Freddie Freeman is actually a Canadian-American, and he usually plays for the Canadian uh, national team as well. So just want to give a big shout-out to Canada. But you're right. And, um, look, I've mentioned this on and on over the show. You know, it's kind of getting repetitive at this point. But when your trade acquisitions are the NLCS and World Series MVPs, it's kind of worth noting. And, you know, I know Jock Peterson went on a cold streak, but he's also massive against the Brewers. Duvall, you know, if they did their job game five, Duvall might have even been World Series MVP because that grand slam was phenomenal. I think it might have been two outs as well, just like Solaire in game six. Um, but uh, just a great job. In my opinion, you know, Solaire, f- uh, deserving World Series MVP. But if I had a vote and it was for anybody, it'd be Alex Anthopoulos because, like you said, this team was yes. nowhere before they made those trades. And like you said, you know, it wasn't like they traded for these superstar guys or anything, but they got good role players. And then when they got into a new system – they surpassed, you know, what they were doing on their previous teams and played much better. And they ended up having massive roles on our team during this postseason run and during the, the last two months of the regular season, basically. Um, you have to remember the Braves didn't win, you know, two games in a row until like the second half of August. So the last month and a half, they really went on a massive tear. And I, I you, you'll vouch for me on this, Hank. I told you in the very first show, do not ever count out a hot team going in the playoffs because no matter records go out the window, these five or seven game series, you just need to go on a run. And the Braves did that behind, you know, great pitching, timely hitting. It wasn't like, you know, they had a lot of games where they just scored, 
you know, seven, eight runs. I know they did it last night, but, you know, for the most part, we've seen it this series, a lot of close pitching games where every pitch matters. The, the bullpen lights out, you know, guys like Max Fried, Ian Anderson turning in these phenomenal starts for us when we needed them the most. Um, it's remarkable. It really is. I mean, they went on a great run. And the key thing, and, you know, I mentioned this before, they're going to get Ronald Acuna back. They're going to get Mike Soroka back. Um, you know, Charlie Morton will be back as well. It re-signed for 2022. These are key guys coming back. Um, you know, we'll see what they do with with the um, trade acquisitions, who they're going to re-sign and all that. That's going to be an interesting point to talk about as well. But they're only going to get better, Hank. This is not the end of the Atlanta Braves. And you have to remember as well, they have a fantastic farm system. It is still loaded with prospects. That's one th- good thing that you get from, you know, being terrible for four years in a row. When you get good, you can stay good for a very long time. And I think this is only the beginning for the Atlanta Braves. I didn't expect them to win the World Series. They did. I'll say this probably makes up for last year because I think they should have won it last year, but they blew it. Um, But, you know, it makes this World Series all the more worth it because they really, no one expected them to do it. And they did. It's, you know, a textbook sports Cinderella story. And, you know, the fact it's just my team, I mean, and it's against those cheaters as well. It makes it even better. You know, I'm going to say this too. The Braves had what you could make the case was the most impressive path to winning the World Series. They were the, it didn't, again, like you said, throw the records out the window. The Braves had the least amount of wins out of all the teams in the playoffs. Like not even the, even the Yankees had more wins and look how they did. (laughs) They won 88 games. They won up against 95 win Brewers team, 106 win Dodgers team, 95 win Astros teams. As great as those three were, didn't matter. And, you know, one thing I noticed throughout the playoffs that, like, I never really talked about because for fear of jinxing you and, like, maybe the Braves, they got stronger as the playoffs went on. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. That's just something I noticed. Like, I look, I said that they would win the Milwaukee series. And a lot of people looked at me like, no, Milwaukee's got the pitching. No, no. Yeah. Milwaukee did not impress me that much. I watched a good amount of them during the second half of the season, their hitting was awful. And that continued in the division series. Everyone, nobody on that team contributed. Christian Yelich is the main guy you have to point the figure out, but they'll be in, they'll be talked about for another day. They, and, and it's crazy because at one point, a lot of people thought they were a real world series tender, the Dodgers, them and their 106 wins, you know, lots of people thought, Oh, they're going to win the world series. Like, Nobody Mm -hmm. cared that they were fighting, that they were going back and forth with the San Francisco Giants. And I thought for a while, actually, it was going to be the Giants. But you know what? As it turns out, I think the Giants, low key, were a big reason the Dodgers didn't go far. Because if if the Giants were never a factor, I don't know if the Dodgers would have been worn down so much, whether it be by injuries or fatigue. And that's not to take anything away from the Braves. But, like, you know, it's all about survival of the fittest. And even still... There's only one team besides the Giants that really had had enough talent to compete with the Dodgers, and mm-hmm. that was the Atlanta Braves. So yeah, they, yeah, absolutely. The, the World Series, you have the Astros and their scary lineup, and make the mistake. I know you told me that you were very fearful about what that lineup could do, and rightfully so, because I said that the series was going to end in no less than six games. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you get. It didn't matter that you didn't have a Clayton Kershaw or a Max Scherzer. You still had a Max Reed, who, by the way, was absolutely money throughout the Incredible. second Incredible. Especially in his performance last night. 
you had a Max Freed, you had an Ian Anderson, and even though he had to leave early due, in, due to an injury, Charlie Morton was still a very malleable member of that rotation, and that must have really been – that strikeout on a broken leg, that had to have, like, inspired the Braves somewhat, No. Yeah, no, I absolutely. I mean, I thought it was phenomenal when I found out about that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy was – he wasn't just pitching, Hank. He was pitching phenomenally. He struck out Jose Altuve. He's a very good hitter, obviously, uh, before he had to leave the game and all that. Um, but, no, when I came on the first time, one of the topics we did talk about was Max Fried and the uh, second half of the season he had. And, look, is he the most talented guy? Maybe not. You know, when Soroka comes back, he'll probably go back to being the ace in our rotation. But I'll tell you what, man, second half of the season – Okay, sure, you know, he wasn't the best against the Dodgers. Game two, he struggled. But the most important thing about Max Reed, when they needed him the absolute most, he was phenomenal. And to be honest, you know, even the hits the Astros got, it, none of them were really belts. I mean, the, the first inning, if, if the Braves were smart and actually challenged that call, I mean, it would have been even easier for him to get out of that, and he still did a phenomenal job getting out of it. A lot of, you know, weak contact. I remember um, a single, and, like, it might have been the fifth or sixth, where it just kind of blooped in between the outfielders. Um, he just gave up no hard contact at all. And when they went in the bullpen, I mean, basically the same thing. It's just phenomenal, Hank. You know, uh, Jordan Alvarez, right, we saw this guy just demolish the Red Sox. I mean, it was ridiculous. And in this series, Hank, he had two two more hits than you and me. I mean, that is just phenomenal to hold a guy like that to two hits over a six-game series. He did basically nothing. Um, you know, Altuve, he hit some home runs, but for the most part, his average was pretty low. Um, you know, Bregman, other than that one game where he got moved down in game five, he was struggling as well. Correa, Hank, I'm just going to ask you this stat. Do you know who the uh, Astros OPS leader for this World Series is? Oh, gosh, I'm not sure. I would, I would have to say it's probably – I think it's Brantley, actually. I think it was Brantley. So he's the one that, that is leading. Actually, no, it's Oletimus Diaz, but I'm not counting him. He was a pinch hitter. Like, if we're talking among starters, it's Michael Brantley. Yeah, amongst starters it is. But the reason I ask that is because it's actually, if you if you take ABs out of the window and just look at the, the stat, it's actually Zach Grinky, which I thought was hilarious. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's yeah. true, you know. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's crazy. He's got more hits in the world series. He's got more hits in the postseason Mike than Mike Trout. Think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He's got he had the same amount of hits in this World Series that Jordan Alvarez has with that 1.333 OPS. Zach Grinke absolutely tearing the cover off the ball. May very well be the last time we see a pitcher do something like that. Um, but yeah, that's not a good sign when you know your your pitcher that he didn't even pitch that long in that game. He pitched about 50 pitches and he was a pinch hitter has the same amount of hits as your number four hitter. Um, that, that's just not usually a good sign for your offense. So a few of my takeaways. I think the one the one moment that really, to me, told me that that series was over, when they got – when Jordan Alvarez got – or who was it that got the small hit? It was – they stepped on Max Freed. He was Brantley. safe, even Michael though Brantley. the replay was clearly out, yeah. and the Braves didn't challenge. Mm-hmm. I was like screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? That's a big mistake. But then when Freed got out of that unscathed, that was the moment that told me right then and there, the Astros weren't winning this series. And let me tell you why. Games one through four, this is their numbers 
when with runners in scoring position. Four for 31. And usually, if you look at the history of Dusty Baker, which I'll probably get into a little later when we talk about the Astros, like, towards the end, usually it's Dusty Baker making, like, a bad pitching decisions. This World Series, you can't really say that. I think the big reason as to why we're celebrating your team as opposed to the Astros is because they didn't get the hits when it mattered. And in fact, do you want to know the game that told me that the the Braves were going to win the World Series for sure? I would say it was game four. Yeah. They were 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. At one point, it was 2-0. The Astros had moments where they could have easily put that that game away, and those two home runs would have meant nothing. But you know what? You keep the Braves in this game. They get Mm -hmm. those home runs, and at the end of the day, here we are. Absolutely, and a key point as well is, you know, the Astros probably have the best offense in baseball, but like you mentioned, when they had guys in a scoring position, they couldn't knock them in. And on the other side, the Braves, you know, with their patchwork outfield, so to speak, and all that, when they got, you know, guys in position to score, they did it. Um, Look at all the games, Hank. Game six, all their runs came on home run balls. Uh, Game five, you know, grand slam and a home run. They got a ton of production out of the home run ball, back-to-back in game four, obviously, to give them the lead. Whereas on the other side, I think the Astros only had two home runs for the entire series, which were, like I said, you know, when I was on last week, this is an offense that, look at, that can knock it out of the park at any moment, change the game. And they did that, in, you know, in games two and five, they got the offense going. But, you know, the Braves were clutch when they needed these big runs. I mean, Jorge Soler, two outs, full count, knocks it out of Minute Maid Park. That was just ridiculous. Oh it was incredible. I mean, they even compared it to when Albert Pujols did something like that yeah. about – about 15, 16 I years ago. I literally was just going to say, the minute I saw that ball go out, I had flashbacks of Pujols absolutely destroying that ball off of Brad Lidge. And gosh, that was phenomenal. Amazing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And and we- that was the other moment that told me the game was going to win. But really, the other one was obviously the situation I told you about, the no challenge and the Braves mm-hmm. getting away with that because – any yeah. other time that happens to an Atlanta sports team, it doesn't end well. Yeah, no, I, Brantley should have been out. I mean, you know, he missed the bag, and, you know, okay, sure, Free didn't tag the base, but he tagged it with his glove, so, and he never touched the base. So I was definitely upset when they challenged, I didn't challenge that, but I was a lot less upset when he got out of it. And I will say, you know, when it's only 10 pitches in the game and you're, you know, your star pitcher gets his ankle stepped on like that, I was definitely really nervous for a few seconds, but luckily, didn't look like it affected him at all, and if it did, he didn't show any signs of it. So um, he was just remarkable. I mean, like I said, this was a guy who he struggled in game two. He wasn't the best against the Dodgers, but the most important thing, when they needed him the most, he was phenomenal. And, in fact, I'd even argue he could have gone longer. He only had, like, 74 pitches when they took him out. I know they said he was getting tired and all that. He didn't look that tired to me. But, you know, when the bullpen comes in and shuts it out, you can't really uh, fault Snicker for that. That's another thing I had to mention. You know, those Braves fans who wanted Snicker out and all that, uh, he just won a World Series without two of his best players. So uh, where are you guys at now? Snicker is among some of the people that I'm probably the most happy for. This guy dedicated most of his adult life to the Atlanta Braves, whether it be in the minors or in the big league club. He's not one of those typical managers that rely on analytics to like do the job. He, I mean, maybe he does a little bit. Like I've Mm -hmm. seen him remove the pitcher, like when he's got like 75 pitches, but if that's the case, it's because he has a feel for this game. 
And, you know, I've often said throughout the course of this show, as great as analytics can be in the grand scheme of things, like as helpful as they can be, they don't really give you the feel for managing the game. And Mm -hmm. Brian Snick, what Brian Snicker does is something you, you rarely really see anymore. I mean, look, I've ranted about this enough times with Aaron Boone. Well, maybe not necessarily Aaron Boone, really him and Brian Cashman, but you get the idea with the Yankees all season. They use analytics, but they didn't really do it the right way. They didn't really go go with the feel of the game and look where that landed them. They didn't even win a playoff game, and I've been sitting on the couch watching every other team because of it. You look at Alex Cora. He, If the Astros had lost to the Red Sox, I would have been giving him a great deal of credit because while he does use analytics – He also has moments that I've, and I noticed this in 2018 too. He has a feel for the game. Like if he Mm -hmm. wants, he is strategic. Like he knows when to use a pitcher for the most part. The only really mistake he made was taking out Nick Pavetta in game four of that Astros series. But otherwise he he's done a phenomenal job. And the fact that he got the red, this Red Sox team that really wasn't expected to do anything this season within two games world series Mm -hmm. really was pretty successful. And, I think if he wins another title or another pennant, you could probably make the case that he's the most successful manager of the Red Sox since Prohibition, honestly. But in any event, yeah, I know. It's crazy to think that they won all those years without winning. But in any event, Dusty Baker, though, is another manager that I respect. He's another guy and doesn't use analytics, but one of the master motivators. And I'll probably talk about him again later when I get to the Astros. But Brian Snitker is just one of those guys that's up there with managers who don't really rely on the analytics. They just go with the feel and he just manages to his best of his ability. And with his story, it's great that he became a champion. And Mm -hmm. I think another guy to mention that's a champion, Ron Washington, been involved in Major League Baseball for 50 years. Yep. He's been, what was he, their infield coach? I think he's third base coach because he was the one that was always waving the arm and I heard saw a lot of memes about it. Yeah, no, he was, but basically what I'm, what I was told is he's been helping a lot of the infielders. And one of the big reasons as to why the Braves are, had a great year. Mm-hmm. Remember when we had that debate about who the best infield was, I think we may have said the Cardinals, but like mm-hmm. you could make the, the strong case that it was the Atlanta Braves. A lot of them good home run hitters, but the more important part, they were really well fundamentally sound team. And that's a credit to Ron Washington. And now after 50 years of being involved in major league baseball, he finally gets rewarded with the ring. And he actually lost the world series that I kind of sort of mentioned earlier. Remember that yep. 2011 world yep. series when the mm-hmm. Cardinals had that epic comeback. I mean, yes. good for him. Absolutely. And um, he did a great job as a third base coach. He pretty much nailed every decision, you know, sending runners home and all that. I did love the memes about him, you know, all the memes about him waving in his, his arm and all that. Um, I will tell you this as well, Hank. You know, he's always been a great, a really solid manager. Like you said, you know, lost a back-to-back World Series, I think it was actually. First yep. one against the Giants, I think it was. Um, yep. he, he has tons of experience. He's a very solid coach. And I'll tell you this, the job he's done, he's not done managing. He's going to get another management job, and he deserves it. You know, he's just always been a guy I look at as a, a really solid manager, a really nice guy you want to root for him. And, um, hey, Garth's right. You know, Dansby yeah. Swanson, he's a guy that even I, you know, in the past to criticize, say, you know, when you look at our shortstops in the league, how does he match up? Well, uh, he matched up pretty well this series in the playoffs. He had a good season overall. And you mentioned that Cardinals infield. You know, I think I did say it was probably the best for the playoffs. 
now, I mean, it's really hard to not say it's the Braves because they were absolutely critical to them winning the World Series. So, um, Freddie Freeman, I mean, you know, we, you know my opinion on him. The guy's just an absolute monster. Hopefully he gets that retirement contract. Honestly, even though he didn't have, you know, a great World Series, he gets moved down the lineup, and what do you know, like it does with Alex Bregman, it, it puts a fire in his step and all that. He has his best game in Game 6. You know, Riley, he's just really consistent, improving, you know, that strike zone for him is getting way bigger because he's just improved his game so much. Um, you know, there's a lot less that a pitcher can pitch to him without giving up a base hit. And then, like Garth says, you know, Dansby, a guy that – hometown kid as well. This is a guy from Kennesaw, Marietta, Georgia area. Um, you know, hasn't ha- had a straightforward career, you know, been a bit inconsistent for a former number one overall pick. But when we, they need him the most, I mean, okay, you know, he had an error here and there, whatever. But uh, when they need him the most in game six, phenomenal – uh, he was also the one as well that tied the game in game four, which did, that was just incredible for the momentum, not just for that game, but for the entire series. The difference between 3-1 and 2-2 is massive. Um, so I got to give a lot of credit to him as well. And, of course, all the outfit guys who traded for. Um, I know we'll get into some specific guys later, so I won't you know ramble on and on, but uh, a lot of credit to a ton of players on this team. And another comment that your buddy Garth says, solar power. One of these days, I'm going to have have to have both of you on the show. I know you guys do great work on uh, on Sweet Tea, and we'll we'll obviously hear more about that once we get to the plug section at the end of the show. But in any event, yeah, no, Garth is spot on. Dansby Swanson has really grown before our eyes. The whole, pretty much the whole Brave team, like mm-hmm. Albie's too, has come into his own. And again, like I said, Ron Washington did a great job as the third base coach. He is a big reason as to why they're considered one of the best infields in major league baseball. And you know what? I would probably go as far as say the best because the only others you can really argue the St. Louis Cardinals that, as we said, they really didn't go far. And then you had the San Diego Padres who on paper should have Mm -hmm. been a lot better, should have at least made a wild card, but they didn't even finish above 500 and you know, now you have Tatis and Machado getting paid a lot of money. Uh-huh. That team's got a number of question marks going into the second half. But you mentioned Freddie Freeman, and I'm glad you did because that's the third guy that I am the most happy for as far as World Series winners on the Atlanta Braves. This is a guy who poured his heart and soul into about a decade's worth of baseball for the Atlanta Braves well over 1,500 games, and now he's finally a champion after all this playoff failure. Like, he's going to get his number retired, no doubt. And not to mention, I don't think he's ever going to be paying for another alcoholic beverage in the city of Atlanta ever again. Yeah, no no question. Um, Look, I made a post, a separate post about this last night. You know, I, I made my post about the Braves winning it. And I made a separate post for Freddie Freeman because um, when I, you know, when I got into sports in 2011, Freddie Freeman was actually a rookie. So there's an attachment there because I basically watched his entire career, but you know, it helps. He's a fantastic player. He's a phenomenal person as well. I, even rival fans, you know, I know a couple of Philly fans, they say, Hey, you know what? Screw the Braves. But you know, we got nothing bad to say about Freddie Freeman. Um, they're going to keep Freeman. I'll get into that in a minute. He's not leaving. It doesn't matter what Joe Buck's idiotic self thinks. He, he's not leaving. Um, I will say as well, what a stupid call on that phenomenal home run to say this might be his last at bat. 
He's said like a hundred times he wants to stay a Brave. What are you talking about, Joe Buck? You can tell these announcers have no clue what they're talking about. But um, he doesn't look, even seem to have the personality of where he would even want that much money either. So like, yeah, yeah, no, I don't I know. know. It's just Joe Buck saying something. I'm generally not like a Joe Buck hater. I used to be more of a Joe Buck hater when I was younger, but like. Now, as a communications major, I've come to see why he's been at his job for so long. But there are some things he does, like in that game, that I, I agree with you. He probably shouldn't have said. I think he's a he's an. I don't hate Joe Buck. I think he's decent at football. I don't know why he does baseball. I don't know if Fox has a shortage. They only have two announcers that can do everything there. But uh, it is what it is. But look, Frederick Charles Freeman, man, th- this guy is phenomenal. Um, I did some research before. He's actually 12th all time in Atlanta Braves war. Which, considering the players they've had, you know, Hank Aaron, you know, all the pitchers they've had, Eddie Matthews, you know, guys like that, um, to be 12th already and he's only 32 years old, he's going to move up in that list. Um, I was looking, actually, uh, I don't know if we'll be able to pass Chipper. I think Chipper was six. So if he'd get up to seventh with all the players they've had, that'd be phenomenal. But look, this is big for his legacy, man. I said it last night. He's an Atlanta Braves legend. He's going to get his number retired, like you said. And, look, I don't think it's unfair at all to say he's not just an Atlanta Braves legend, but if he keeps on the pace he's going, I think he will make the Hall of Fame, and he will be a baseball legend. The stuff he has done, I mean, he won the MVP last year, sure you can say, you know, strike season, blah, blah, blah. Um, But, yeah, who cares? And, look, I don't think it's unfair at all to say, you know, Bryce Harper, phenomenal player, he will win the MVP award, but the real most valuable player in baseball was playing last night, and he had a phenomenal series. 996 OPS, and it still feels like he flew under the radar somehow because of what Jorge Soler did. Uh, incredible. And gee, I wonder which two people had a had a debate where he should even should have been MVP maybe at the end of September. Could it have been us? Yeah, it might have been. I don't remember. That feels like <laughs> that feels like six months ago now that when we had that talk. But uh, look, the guy. I still think, you know, Acuna is a fantastic player, but I still think for Freeman's our, our best player. Maybe I'm a bit biased, but I don't think that's unfair to say at all. No, uh, it's not. Great player, great human. I could not be happier for him. I said no one deserved this uh, world championship on that field more than him, and I, I stand by that because, look, he could have left when he wanted. He could have demanded a trade. He could not sign a contract, but he stuck it out. He stuck it out through the bad years. He's been the reason, one of the main reasons for the good years, and it finally paid off for him. And just one final point on Freddie Freeman, how much you think he means that team. You don't think it's coincidence Dansby Swanson looked off that easy throw to second and threw it to Freeman. I think he meant to do that because I think he knows how much this means to Freddie Freeman. Um, And that was just beautiful to see. His reaction after that, I know it's a World Series, but you saw what he did in NLCS as well, just how excited he was. He wanted this so badly for the city because he loves it here. He lives in Atlanta and all that. His kids were raised here. I could not be happier for him. He's just fantastic. You know, to add, to piggyback off some of your points, you said he's top 12 in war for Braves. Uh-huh. If factor out the pre-Atlanta days from when they were, from like when they were in Milwaukee, I would say he's probably higher if we're only counting the city of Atlanta. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, ha- not to mention this guy, I said he could like get his number retired. Would you be shocked if he gets a statue after he retires? I wouldn't. I'd build him a statue. I mean, he literally just won him their first world title in 26 years and only their second ever. Um, so uh, I would definitely build him a statue because, I mean, he's done something that um, no one else has really done before. He was the, the one of the main reasons they were even relevant for a few years, and then when they sucked, he stuck through it. 
Um, I definitely think he's, you know, I know the Braves, you know, Fred McGriff and all that, Eddie Matthews, but he's easily one of the top three infielders they have ever had. And they've had a lot of great players on these teams. So he's not done either way. Like I said, he's only 32. I think he will get that retirement contract. I'm not worried about him leaving at all. Look, if he does, I'll eat crow on it. I think he's staying. He said multiple times he wants to stay. Maybe he'll change his mind. I don't think he will. He's going to keep going. He's going to keep being phenomenal. He's going to keep adding to that resume to get into the Hall of Fame. He's going to cement his legacy even further, I think. I don't think he's done winning. I think we can win another one with him. I know it's really tough, but the way we're going with our prospects, you know, players coming back, I don't think he's done. But like I said, my favorite baseball player, I'm not going to act like I'm not biased, but I think everything I'm also saying is completely fair about him. So, um, phenomenal. Couldn't be happier for him. And uh, obviously, I'm over the moon as well, so. Yeah, I he's amazing. And, you know, again, I just I, – I don't know what more there is to say. And, you know, you look at the future, like, I don't want to – like, I'm not going to be one of those guys that goes out and asks the question, are they a future dynasty? But mm-hmm. you have to like the prospects of their future. Like, you oh, mentioned yeah. their minor league system is really good. They could get back Acuna. They could get back Soroka. And now, granted – we don't know whether those guys are going to be at their same form before they got hurt, but uh-huh. you, you, you've got to be pretty ecstatic about their future too. Cause like a lot of good things can happen, but again, who knows if I were you, I'd probably just enjoy the moment now because a world yes. series, I made this point the last episode about the LA Dodgers and why you can't really blame them. Teams winning a championship is very hard to do once but doing it back to back over the course of a 162 game slog is nearly impossible. And I would say that you've got to not only like maybe make a move for another starter, as James Robinson says, we, you can comment on whether you agree with that or not, but like, it's all about luck too. the Yankees as a Yankee fan. Like, obviously we know I'm not really old enough to remember the late nineties dynasty, but, one of the big things that's never really talked about enough is that as great as those teams were, I don't remember them ever having one severe injury problem during that run of greatness. Like the, the closest I can think of was maybe in 96 when they lost David Cohn for like the first or not the first, but like for a good chunk of the season, then because he had an aneurysm in one of his pitching shoulders mm-hmm. and then he recovers from that aneurysm. You have him and Andy Pettit and, they were a big reason as to why the Yankees were more than able to hold their own against a certain Braves team. But I don't want to get too much into that for your sake. But, you know, the point is, it takes a lot of luck to repeat his championships. The Braves, Braves fans already know that the hard way. In 1996, like, you can look at the those lineups one through nine. Yes, the Braves were better one through nine. I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that. I've read enough books about that World Series. I've watched the tapes. The Yankees, on the other, had the, had the depth. They had Hall of Famers at their disposal, and they had the better bullpen. So it's it's really difficult to win a, to repeat. But I think if the Braves can win another World Series, if the Braves can do it, I would not be surprised. And if they won another World Series within the next five years, yes, that wouldn't shock me either. No, I agree. And look, I'm not getting into all this, you know, dynasty and repeat crap. It's way too early for that. We need to see what happens. Exactly. We need to see what happens in the off season. But like you mentioned, they have the foundation in place, the players that are coming back, the farm system. They're clearly already a good enough team to win a title, um, you know, against a very good Astros team that, you know, they basically made look like a triple A team for a lot with how their pitching um, was. But, um, 
no, it's it's incredible. And um, like you said, it's really, really difficult to win a World Series. But not just that, Hank. They won this World Series with basically only two starting pitchers the entire series. A lot of this was down to the bullpen. I mean, the relievers had more innings pitched than the starters, which does not happen very often. It's pretty freaking crazy when you think about it. Of course, you know, you know all the – all the uh, guys in the outfield, you know, guys that, you know, were previously probably thought of as just platoon players that they can play every now and then all that turning into superstars in the NLCS in the world series. Um, incredible job by, you know, Anthopolis once again, but you have to give credit to the players as well. I mean, they played to the absolute maximum of their abilities and, you know, key contributors that, you know, when they needed those key hits and, like I said last week, Hank, what were they going to do in these, you know, 2-0, and 2-1 type games that were close and they needed it? Well, game three was 2-0, and and game four they were down 2-1 before they got those two home runs. So, you know, that's exactly what I was talking about. When they needed to be clutch, you know, get those key um, runs and hold a lead, they were able to do it. And, okay, sure, game five was an absolute collapse, and game two they just didn't show up at all. But game six, you know, when they needed a rebound, you thought, okay, Houston probably gotten a ton of momentum from that game five comeback. And they just got absolutely boat raced from the thir- you know the first inning onwards. So um, it's incredible, you know. And look, I, I don't want to you know get too emotional, but after all the crap I've seen, you know, being an Atlanta sports fan, seen twenty eight to three, I see, seen the Georgia blow blow the championship to Alabama. I saw the Falcons score two points in a playoff game. I saw the <laughs> the, the of course you know who that was against, but I'm I saw sorry. you knew I had the smirk at that. Yep. I saw the uh, the Braves lose something like fifteen nothing to the Cardinals about two years ago, and of course last year blow blow a three one lead. But all that is what makes this moment even more meaningful to me, and that's why I won't lie, Hank. You know I don't cry a lot, but last night I was starting to tear up. I mean that's how much it really meant to me. It was incredible to watch, and uh, I, I honestly still can't believe it. You know I'm thinking someone pinch me, please. I'm dreaming. I cannot believe that they've done this, but they have, and. Uh, it's the greatest sports moment of my life. And, uh, you know, if, if you don't mind, I know I'm talking a lot, but I, I do want to go into a bit of a emotional story and on why I became a Braves fan. And go for uh, it. it was, uh, it was about uh, 10 years ago now, I'd say uh, July, 2011. That was the uh, season where they had the, you know, the major collapse at the end and blew the, the, the division um, or the wild card and the Cardinals got in. What do you know? They won the world series. Go, go figure. But um that was actually my first sports team. It actually came from my grandfather who uh, I'll just call him grand. Cause that's what I always used to call him. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was, he was always a fan of the, the George and Atlanta teams and all that, but his number one team always was the Braves. He watched every single game, no exaggeration. He he didn't miss a single one. He watched every single one. And, um, you know, got to a point where I was starting to get interested because I was, you know, obviously very close to him mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I, I still remember, you know, when they were doing well, he, he'd be so happy. It'd be, he'd be fantastic, you know. And then when they were losing, he'd be like, oh, my God, this, you know, it's the worst thing ever and all that. He'd be complaining and all that. And um, he had selective hearing as well because, you know, his uh, his wife, my grandma, you know, had a very shrill voice. And so when she'd call for him, he'd pretend to be deaf. But, you know, whenever I said it, said anything to him, he, he, he understood me perfectly fine. Um, but that, but that's why it meant a lot to me because the Braves were actually my first favorite sports team, even before the Falcons, the Bulldogs, and everyone. They were the first one, and um, you know, unfortunately, he passed away in 2013. So, um, you know, it, that's why it meant a lot to me. And I, I said to my mom last night after they won, I said, I, ho- I hope he's watching this from wherever he is. Um, so that that's just kind of why I became a Braves fan, a sports fan in general. 
um, you know, I, I owe him a lot because he, he was a hero to me, basically. And he's, he's the reason I'm a sports fan at all. So when they won that, that's another reason I got, I got so emotional. I'm kind of getting emotional now is because I said, hey, you know what? That was for Hank, but that was also for him. So that was fantastic to see for that. Of course, man. And yeah, no, that's a great story. And I love hearing stories like that. Like there's always every fan story is like really unique for how they got into sports. Like for me, like all I remember was I went to my first Yankee game, like what, 15, like at least, no, not 15, like 18 years ago, I saw the sights of the stadium and let's just say the rest is history. Shortly thereafter, I went to my first Ranger game and I'll never forget it too. A couple years before I went, I remember watching the 15 round shootout against Washington. And then fast forward a year later, my stepdad takes me to my first game. I could not get over how electric Madison square garden was. And when they won in shootout, like the way I was, when I left the garden, you would have thought that they had won the Stanley cup. That's how special it was. So for me, I feel like that moment is going to come for me when the Rangers eventually win a Stanley Cup, which not to get on a little tangent on a baseball theme show, but I wouldn't be surprised if this current core somehow does have that happen within the next five years. But in any event, no, I, I think it's a great story. I'm sure your grandpa definitely is smiling somewhere up there along with Hank Aaron and probably Phil Negro too, who also we, as we yep. know, passed away back in like late December. Mm-hmm. Negro was actually a decent Yankee pitcher. I don't know if people know that. 1985 won his 300 game with us too but in any event there was a lot of there's a lot of atlanta sports legends that i'm sure are very happy and yeah no it's just amazing and i'm i'm glad you came on here to tell your story and like you know i'm i'm glad he was able to pass down his fandom of the braves to you and i'm glad you were able to have the same fandom with the atlanta falcons and the georgia bulldogs and hey look if they win a championship like I don't, am I, I don't want to sound like I'm speaking for you, but I feel like it's not going to top the brave just because like the first is always the special one. Like mm-hmm. for me, I think the only thing that could even come close to topping Super Bowl 42 would be the giant or the Rangers winning their next Stanley cup. Cause remember I was, I wasn't around in 94. So yeah, no, I, I, and I've seen many a heartbreaking moment with Henrik Lundqvist in 2012, 2014, 2015. And mm-hmm. even with the Yankees, once they win another championship, that's going to be special. Because now I'm at the point where it's like 10, 10, 12 years without a World Series. I mean, look, just ask all those Yankee fans in the mid-90s how they felt. Like, winning a championship is just a feeling that never really gets old. And, like, you know, I'm, and I'm happy that you finally got to witness it. No, you, you know, your stuff, you're a dedicated fan and it's, it's, it's great. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, man. It means a lot, but no, someone asked me this a week ago. They were like, if you had to choose between the Braves or the Bulldogs winning a championship, who would it be? And most people thought, you know, I would pick the the Bulldogs, but I actually picked the Braves, like I said, because the emotional attachment, my, you know, my first team ever, uh, first favorite team ever, excuse me. And um, like you said, it's going to be very hard to top this. The first, you know, I know, I know, like I said, I'm, I am a Penguins fan, so they did win too. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I value this way more than that. It's not even close. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to them. So, honestly, the only thing I think could ever top this is if the Falcons won a Super Bowl. Um, but even that, I mean, your first one, you know, your first major title for, you know, the state and the city you've been supporting your whole life through so much pain. I mean, it's going to be really tough to top this. It really is. It, the, the circumstances, well, I know they did it, the Cinderella story and all that, all the injuries, um, you know, just, you know, beating a 106-win a team and then 
you know, beating a team, you know, all the controversy around them and all that in, in that fashion, it was just, uh, it was magical. I mean, it re- it was literally, Hank, I don't think it's unfair. It was literally like from a movie, a movie script or a story or something. That's how yeah. phenomenal it was. No, I mean, that that may sound cliche, but like there's a lot of champions that, that have felt like that. I I felt the same way when the Nationals won. I When the Nationals won the World Series and when the, when the Cardinals had that insane comeback, those, those were championships. And even like a few of the Giants World Series, those were like, you just can't make this stuff up. And um, mm-hmm. by the way, James, I saw your comment earlier. Don't think I'm ignoring it. I do want to answer this question. What do you guys think of the Barnhart trade? I think that's a steal for the Tigers. Yep. You've got a catcher who's very underrated, won a few gold gloves, and a, a Tiger team that's slowly been rebuilding. I mean, they had a solid second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see them very well being in the mix for the NL Central. I don't know about you, but I, I think that's an absolute steal for the Detroit Tigers. No, absolutely. Tucker Barnhart's a very good catcher. You know, he might not be that guy that puts up, you know, Buster Posey-type hitting numbers, but he's a respectable hitter. But like you said, his main strength is his defense, two times Gold Glove winner. Um, you know, he's always done this on, on a lot of teams as well that have not been very good. He's shown as one of their best players consistently over in Cincinnati. Um, when I look at a team like Detroit – um, very promising uh, team with a lot of um, young players. Akil Badu is a guy I really like over there as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, a very young core. Um, you know, they drafted um, – I can't remember his name. The pitcher they just drafted, Jackson Joby or whatever. He, I think he also can play – I think he's a two-way player if I remember right. But, you know, guys like Manning as well I think is over there. They have a, a lot of young players. And I think even after the All-Star break, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think they might have been above 500 after the All-Star break. So this is a team that – has been, you know, going on a good run for it. Not a lot of talent. And I think mm-hmm. getting a guy like Tucker Barnhart in there, that veteran presence, um, and, um, you know, I think A.J. Hinch is still the manager. I don't think he got fired or anything. So No, he's um, still their manager. Yeah, so, I mean, he's shown what he can do with a team like the Astros, um, you know, to make go, make them go from not being a very good team to being good. So I think he can do a good job as well. I like the Tigers. I always have. They're just a very respectable organization. I think baseball is better when they do well. So I hope this is uh, – a sign that they're starting to go in the right direction to return to winning ways. Yeah, for sure. I think AJ Hench is doing a phenomenal job so far. I mean, you know, you had a couple years ago, they had like a last place season, like forget 2020. I'm like not even thinking about 2020. I know I'm. Mm-hmm. it's still technically the season, but I'm looking at from the perspective of like full years. Yes. I have had a few really bad last place seasons. Like Ron, I never understood the hiring of Ron Gardenhire. He was like, <sighs> way too old school for a team that really was not in any position to contend. Mm-hmm. And now luckily they've slowly been able to like show signs of improvement. They've had an improved farm system and AJ Hinch is doing a phenomenal job. And I think getting Tucker Bardhart is important. You need a catcher who can play defense and he can hit a little bit with the stick. And this is a guy that I probably really would much rather have than the Yankees as opposed to Gary Sanchez. But We'll, we'll talk about that probably another day. I think it's an absolute steal for them. And now before I want to, before I end the show, there is one more topic I do want to discuss. And if we spent much of this talking about the Atlanta Braves, we kind of have to talk a little about the Houston Astros. And I have a few takeaways in regards to the Astros. Now right. it's a pretty, I will say this for a team that had a tainted run. Well, regardless of where you look at it, it was tainted in the in the grand scheme of things because of all the scandals that came out. The Astros had a pretty real successful run, I would say. Yeah, one world title, regardless of how, how you feel about it, and three pennants, still pretty impressive. But 
I kind of think of, of the Astros as sort of a tragic like figure in terms of baseball history. Like I know I know I might be going a little more dramatic. And you had a core in of four guys who were together for a long time, Yuli Gurriel, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, and mm-hmm. Jose Altuve. And mm-hmm. all four of those guys had a big hand in their success. But we know that Carlos Correa is a free agent. We know that Zach Brenke is getting up there in years. Justin Verlander is a free agent too. And I don't even know if he's going to be pitching again. And we saw what happened with their pitching. Lance McCullers was out for not just the World Series, but he didn't even get to pitch against the Red Sox. And as I mentioned, Dusty Baker is a manager who for years used to be criticized for a lot of his pitching decisions. I don't think you can really criticize him in the World Series, to be honest with you, because Louis Garcia was on three days rest and they were they were down three games too. I don't think he really had a choice. His hand was kind of forced. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I do like Dusty. You know, like you mentioned, he does have the the history of you know coming up short in the playoffs. I don't know how much blame I'd put on him for this though, because the offense just didn't do anything. I mean, what do you yeah. want the? Do you just want the guy to you know dress up and he's like seven years old, go out and do it himself? I mean, I, I know he was a a solid player for the Braves and Dodgers and all that, but um, eventually the players have to come through. And like you said, you know, guys like Grinky. Verlander and Correa are free agents. So, you know, are we going to see that, you know, key infield that, you know, was highlighted, which infield is going to do better probably wins the World Series? Um, Is that infield going to stay together? Is it going to break up? Look, I don't think the Astros are just going to fall off a face of the cliff or anything. They're still going to be a very good team, still going to be one of the best in the AL. They could make another World Series again. But, uh, you know, to be honest, I couldn't really care less about the Astros right now um, because, you know, they, they lost. And um, yeah. how po- how poetic it is that, you know, that tainted title they got. They make two more World Series. They lose them both. One of them is to my team. Um, I'm very smug right now, and I think I've earned that right after, <laughs> after, hey, after all that, you know, trashing I've had to take for being, you know, the teams I support and how terrible they are, the one moment I have a, a reason to be happy, I'm going to take it. So I think hey, with the – yeah, I think with the Astros, you know, they need to try and get the, their main guys re-signed. They're probably going to, you know, be buyers in free agency if they can because they want to reload again and go back for another title title challenge. Um, Dusty Baker, you know, I still think he's a respectable manager, even though, you know, he did lose another World Series. He can, I think he can eventually win one if everything goes right for him. Um, but, you know, they're not going to have World Series where they're just completely shut down offensively all the time. If they play, you know, a team that – you know, they can dispose of the pitching a bit more. They can definitely put up runs with anybody like they showed in games two and game five. But I will say once again, massive props to our pitching. I mean, they just completely shut them out in games three and six, two runs in uh, games one and uh, three, or no, games one and four, excuse me. Um, phenomenal job by them. A uh, team that can still hit out of the park at any moment. They have the pitching, obviously. Uh, one other free agent we need to mention as well, Kendall Grayman, I believe is actually the yes. closer. He's yep. a very, very good closer as well. So that's another key guy to keep an eye on. Um, but, you know, we'll see what they do. It's it's going to be interesting what direction they go in if, you know, if they keep buying or, you know, if they let some guys go try to go in a new direction. Yeah, I'm really not sure what to expect from the Astros. I think – I think they're in the midst of a bit of a decline. I still think maybe if if their scouting can nail the amateur draft like they did within the past half decade at least, I think maybe they'll be okay. But like at the very least, you're you're gonna see them in a bit of a transitional period where I don't know if you're gonna see them back in the World Series maybe for another year or two. Like uh-huh. you'll still probably have have a Bregman or Altuve, but again, the pitching the pitching isn't quite gonna be what it was 
say in 2019, 2018. So, yeah. and ultimately the real key to winning the world series is pitching. And you just saw that with your Atlanta Braves. So that's one thing I took away. I think the Astros, while, while they're successful, they're going to be looked at as one of the more tragic teams in history and for better, or for worse. I can't say that I really feel too bad for them. That's just yeah. how they are. I feel more, the only person I really feel sympathy for is Dusty Baker. And I would imagine he probably comes back in 2022. And again, I mentioned his legacy of postseason failures. You look at his time with the Giants. He started a rookie on the last day of the season in 93, cost the 103 win Giants a playoff spot. And then he's made another, he's made multiple pitching decisions that have been like real head scratchers. And you look at other other mistakes he made. He burned out Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood, and that was a big reason why the Cubs didn't really mm-hmm. last long in the early 2000s as they did. And then he turned. He pretty much used Jonathan Broxton to the point where he turned into a gas can for the Reds, and that was why his Cincinnati tenure didn't really last too long. And you could say the same about Max Scherzer in Washington, although Max Scherzer was a big game pitcher. I don't, I don't really fault him for that. But at the end of the day. I think Dusty Baker is a Hall of Famer, but regardless of as fair fair or not, as well as he's done everywhere he's won, he's had a title for every city he's been to. The unfortunate fact of the matter is he's going to be judged harshly for his postseason failures, even if he does get in the Hall of Fame. And again, I do feel bad for the guy because he's been proven to be a good motivator and a good like clubhouse manager, and that's why the Astros got him there. So... You know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. But best of luck to Dusty Baker in the future. I wouldn't mind seeing him win another World Series. I just, mm-hmm. whether it be for the Astros or whatnot, I'll I'll be happy for him. He's definitely a great baseball lifer who I I hope he gets in, in the Cooperstown once all said and done. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. He's a, he's a very solid manager, but unfortunately, like you said, he's always going to have the little tick next to his name unless he can get it done. Um, that's why I think this series was – so key for him. Look, he's not a, a very young guy, so I don't know how much time he has left. Uh, but another guy I will say I feel sorry for, and there's not many. How about Michael Brantley? I mean, this is a guy that was oh on the – he was on Cleveland when they blew that series to Chicago. Um, and on a team that has a lot of outspoken characters, he's just a guy I've always looked at as a quiet, you know, professional, just shows up, does his job. He was their best player in this series, in my opinion. And um, unfortunately, he comes up short again. So I do feel bad for him and Dusty Baker. But uh, not not many others. So, you know, I think they kind of, like you said, is a tragic tale, but it's a tale that they created themselves. Yep. Um, it's it's a stigma they're going to have to live with. And um, unfortunately for them, the two series where they haven't had, you know, that advantage that we know of, they've ended up losing it. So and two teams that, you know, they probably were not expected to lose to. But, uh, you know, don't really care about that one in 2019. That was kind of like one where I, I hope both teams could lose this one. I'm very happy that they lost. So there we go. Well, Noah, I want to say thank you again for taking the time to come on and turning into somewhat of a semi-regular, but obviously it happened because your Atlanta Braves on a run. But over the course of those episodes, I have had, I have really enjoyed talking baseball with you, hearing your insights and even sharing your story of how you became a Braves fan. That's all really amazing. But before we go, you know what I have to ask you. Yep. Please tell all of all the viewers who are watching where we can find you and all the good work that you do with our buddy Garth Patrick. Yeah, over on the sports box, man. You know, we do a lot of co- uh, collabs with the guys over here at Review and Preview on both sides. But the Sweet Tea Show, Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Had a couple weeks off because, you know, life gets in the way. 
We're going to obviously talk a bit about the Braves uh, this uh, this week, but, you know, college football, NFL talk is mainly what we do. Going to have some guests on this Friday as well, so that's going to be a lot of fun as well. But, Hank, look, I, I definitely wasn't expecting to come on here four four times, but they went on a run and all that. Um, hopefully, you know, as next season starts, get me on for previews or whatever, you know, throughout the season and all that. I'd love to keep doing it and all that. You, you guys do a great job over here. All the shows you guys do, um, you know, I can't watch them all because there's a ton of them and, you know, but I try my best, you know, you know, I tune into a lot of shows, Big Blue Avenue and all that. So big fan of what you guys are doing over here. Keep up the good work and uh, you individually as well. I really like what you're doing with the show over here and uh, really appreciate, appreciate you always invite me on. It was a lot of fun to talk baseball with you. The Braves winning the World Series, man. Still can't believe it. Dream come true. Yeah, no, for sure. I ever since it's amazing. Ever since we had you in Big Blue Avenue, like. You, I got to hear your Atlanta Falcons points too, and now I'm, t- I've, we've been talking about the Braves on a consistent basis, and you know it's amazing. You guys do a good job there. I try to cat turn into as much of your show as I can. Obviously, my real life gets in the way too. Unfortunately, it is what it is. But you guys do some great, great work too. You and Garth are great. And again, over the off season, I will definitely would definitely love to have you to preview the Atlanta Braves because. As we mentioned, this is the last episode of Hitting for the Cycle for this season. For those of you who are watching and for those of you who have tuned in and left comments all year, I cannot thank you enough. It has been a lot of fun getting to share not just my baseball knowledge and expertise with you guys, but getting to hear from you guys as well. Because let's face it, you the viewers and you the commenters, you guys are what makes this show running. And the real person I obviously want to thank is Tom Scavetta, the host of Review and Preview, because... He was the one that brought me on board with Big Blue Avenue about a year and a half ago. We're now on our second season. We're just as strong as ever. And now completing my first season doing Hitting for the Cycle, this has been a lot of fun going on this podcasting journey. And Noah, I'm glad to have made friends like you along the way. This has been a great ride and amazing. I just, I have no words what to say. It's been a lot of fun. This baseball season has been enjoyable too. Even if I haven't really enjoyed it so much for my own team, getting to see stories like the Atlanta Braves, see stuff like, you know, the NL West. And then you look at teams like the White Sox, who for a while had like a lot of potential. But then during the second half, we kind of saw they were in like a weak division and, you know, didn't Uh really play up to it. And then even even the Houston Astros made things interesting because let's face it, you know, as much as you don't like the Astros, as much as you hate what you did like a lot of good stories, sometimes you just need a villain and to see that villain vanquish at the end, it made for what was, you know, a satisfying ending. If, if I say so, you know, but in any event, I will not end the show without doing the plugs. And of course, with that being said, I do want to give you a friendly neighborhood reminder. Please give us follow on all our forms of social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As you know, we are a a sub-show of Review and Preview. And, of course, please subscribe to our YouTube channel where throughout the end of the season we have pretty much been simulcasting on Facebook and YouTube. And not to mention, over the course of this offseason, I will be creating Hitting for the Cycle will be creating its own channel where I will be doing a lot of videos where I'll I'll be talking about certain moves that happen in the offseason. Noah, you can be sure I will bring you on if the Braves do something good. Or hey, even if we're even if it's just like a preview for the NL, I would love to maybe mm-hmm. have you and my friend Paul Lombardi. He's a he's a hardcore Mets fan, but he does a basketball show called 
called the three and D he's, he's got some really good Mets points. I think you'd probably enjoy talking some baseball with him. And if there's maybe any other NL East fans, definitely want to try to bring them on, but obviously I'll do that for the AL East too. And of course a lot of, there will be more anyways, what I'm trying to say is there will be more content to come. You you'll be hearing a lot of big trades, big free agent signings and, God forbid you'll be hearing if whether or not we have a strike or not because of the whole CBA, but let's knock on wood that that doesn't happen. I'm trying to stay positive. This has been such an incredible journey. And folks, as always, you have watched another episode of Hidden for the Cycle. And until next season, I'm your host, Hank and Dichter, and I will see you then.